Pulse Audio Podcast Network. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. There's a chill in the air and there's crunchy leaves on the ground and it's fall, people. It's my favorite season. Happy fall, y'all. It's not quite spooky season yet. It's so spooky season I will in not my heart exactly. forever. <laughs> I will not go into too spooky, but it is fall and it was a perfect fall day here, although it rained a little bit, but it was in the 50s and I got to wear a sweater and it was... It was a nice day. Unlike the fucking night. I know I have a tank top on. Unlike the fucking 95 degrees on Monday where I was like, it is three days away from fall. So I was traveling. uh, I I went to Philadelphia and it was pretty nice in Philadelphia, but I was doing a lot of moving. So I was pretty like hot the whole time. Get back to Chicago. It is like 85 degrees in Chicago. It was 95 on Monday. What the actual fuck? Illinois, it is fall. Get your shit together. And I checked the weather. I was like, well, what is it like in Rochester? In Rochester at that same time, it was 60. And I'm like, technically it wasn't fall until Wednesday. I don't fucking care. (laughs) Illinois, get your shit together. But it was, I'm so happy for fall weather. I miss pants. Walking around with just shorts. You know what? It's fun for a bit. And then I'm just like, but I want pants. But I want pants. But I don't want to have to cut them off of me because they fuse to my skin through sweat and misery. (laughs) So now that we're not talking about fall, I will talk about what we are. We are Whining About Herstory, a women's history podcast where we rant about random topics, but also mainly talk about women from history that you probably haven't heard of and have some wine while doing it. I'm Kelly. Oh, I'm on the wrong podcast. I thought this was Happy Fall, y'all podcast. It's whining about herstory. Happy Fall, y'all. Happy Fall, (laughs) y'all. In parentheses, byline. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Emily, um, and I'm hopelessly erratic. Especially, especially with the fall weather. I'm like, someone who got like a minute into this podcast and was like, the fuck am I listening to? Yes, yes. Also, um, I want to give a very special shout out. Uh, one of our listeners who's a new listener and is like binging us from the very beginning, oh, Peggy. God. Peggy. I don't know if or when she'll ever hear this because the last time she messaged us, she's like, I'm on episode 24. And I'm like, oh, you sweet summer child. <laughs> I was like, I promise we get better. I promise. <laughs> Hopefully we do. Um, but no, she, she messaged us and she was going to be having a grad party for her son and want like to have so, like a wine tasting for you know the adults and she's like what are some wines that you would recommend so I had this really lovely trip down memory lane looking at all of her old wines and being like this one this not one, this one this one not this one no Greek church wine fuck that shit <laughs> no ports yeah no no ports, ports allowed um, and then she messaged us again about like referencing an episode that you did. I think it was our first Pride Month. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, it was uh, Julie D'Aubigny, the 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 nun. She or, mm-hmm. the the she was a fencer, but she also she masqueraded also as a nun, a nun to fuck her girlfriend, and then burned down the convent yep. and ran away. Yep. Yeah, but she's like, I also get like the taste of church wine, and I was like, Oh my God, someone understands us. But yeah, Peggy, if and when you ever hear this, we're so happy to have you. Thank you for reaching out. You are not being stalkerish as you were concerned in your message. We love it. We love every bit Um, of it. I do also have a little housekeeping slash shout out. So thanks to thank you to Sophia for emailing us. 
Um, she says she loves our podcast, but she was listening to the podcast about uh, Manuela. Oh my gosh, I forgot how to pronounce her last name. Sayans. It was someone I did. Okay. And she said she found it very lacking in a lot of um, facts, particularly about like that involved like the Latin American history side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I already sent her an email back, but basically, I'm sorry if I missed facts. Like, I can only work with what I can find. And yeah, like, I'm not from, like, we're from America, so we get what we get, you know? Like, and, and so I do want to apologize. I hope you still enjoy it. She says she says she does, and she says she's it would be good if we contacted some people with a little more expertise. And I, I did say, I'm like, you know, I, I, will, will, I she use, be, will she be our Latinx correspondent? She never responded. Oh, shit. <laughs> but I just wanted to say, you know, we want all feedback, good and bad. And so, yeah, like sometimes we try to be upfront about it. Sometimes, especially for cultures we don't know a lot about, we're going to miss some facts. So I hope it was still a good story and I hit all the important things. But yeah, I'm sorry if some context was missing. Yeah. She and did say she loves us, though. Oh, I'm glad. Well, and I, I'm glad to hear that because... Like, like Kelly said, we come from a like Western centric mindset. Our understanding of history is definitely centered in Western history. Right. So when we are covering stories in other cultures, there's a more of a learning curve for us. Right. And we and, do the best we can with the the stuff we can find. Right. But I think I think that's an important reminder for both of us, you know to be be mindful of that and especially if we're going to be covering stories from cultures we're not as familiar with or regions we're not as familiar with like hey we gotta we gotta do some digging I do appreciate like that email though and that she still like enjoys it and so yeah I just wanted to say thank you Sophia and sorry (laughs) we'll do better Yes, yes. We, we, we're we always trying to do better. And we do try. I, I wish I I wish I remembered what episode number that was. Um, I looked it up when she sent the email a while ago. Hold on. Cause I, I just know it was me. That's how I know, because I looked it up. Because if that was, I wonder if that was like in the double digits. Speaking of sweet summer children. Oh, shit. Well, hopefully we've gotten better in the last like 60 some episodes. Yeah, I hope so. But I no, that that's a good reminder. And also, I like when our listeners hold us accountable and like give us give us that kind of feedback in a nice way. Because we've gotten feedback before where it's like, hey, this wasn't quite right, or actually it was more like this and that kind of thing. And we always appreciate that because the best part about this podcast for us, other than you lovelies, is us learning. having the opportunity to learn these stories and learn about other cultures and these women. And that process never actually stops. Like, uh, uh, you know, I covered Alam de Gouge all the way back in episode one, and I'm still learning stuff about her. Right. You know, and I keep, I want to keep learning stuff about her. And I love when our listeners with different perspectives and different knowledge reach out to help us learn and share their knowledge with us. Yes. Well, thank you. I have one final, um, unless you have another after me, housekeeping thing. I should have said this a while ago, but I kind of kept forgetting. But I wanted to thank everyone who purchased our pro-choice merch during the month of July. And thanks to you, we were able to donate $70 to the National Abortion Fund. Yay. And it, okay, 
I was listening to My Favorite Murder today, and they talked about donating $10,000 to a charity. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, we like, don't. We're not. Here's the we're thing. We're not that big. We're tiny. Um, We have no money. <laughs> we po. Uh, but I was really happy to see our listeners showing up for that kind of thing. Yeah, I really you know? appreciate it, guys. And it, it was better than Kelly and I could have done on our own. And we also contribute, like, it was, that just made me really happy. So I just want to thank everyone who bought that merch. It's still available in our shop. We are not uh, donating the proceeds at this moment. But if we do that again, we will let you know. We also have a couple of new designs. Uh, I finally made our bevy of lipstick radicals design. And uh, I made a design out of our only one-star review on iTunes, which... It still holds a special place in my heart oh, because always. it's it's like tell me you didn't read the description without telling me you didn't read the description. This is not a serious this is history a, podcast. If you're looking for a serious lecture slash history podcast, this is not for you. I'm like, yeah, no, it's super not. Um, I'm pretty sure I say we get smashed <laughs> like in right. the description. Like we drink wine and bitch about women. Right. You probably haven't heard of it's like drunk history. Yeah. That would not be called a, a serious history we lecture. We do not throw up. No. With the frequency they do, but we're also not pounding gross hard amounts of hard liquor. liquor. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, we generally don't end up on the floor at the end we of the episode. We also don't have Jack Black in our episodes, or Michael Sarah, or Courtney Cox, or any of the other lovely Yeah, there are actors. some really cool people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily, what wine? Speaking okay. of wine, yeah, what are we drinking? Wine. Okay, so we today, are drinking today. We are drinking Rocks, R-O-X. You rocks. Yeah, well, it's funny because that drag king in Minneapolis that I, I help out with his social media, mm-hmm. his name is Alexandro Rocks, R-O-X, which is why I bought this, because I was like, oh my God, it's like his name. <laughs> um, and he rocks, and this wine rocks. So it's a 2019 Sonoma County Cabernet Sauvignon. You know how I love that, especially in cool fall weather. Yeah, let's just say you're, you're in for a lot of reds, people. Um. Okay, here's the thing. I went over to dinner at my parents and I was like, I should bring some wine and like be a fun adult. So I went to my box of wine and it was cab, cab, Shiraz, cab, Syrah, Shiraz, cab, cab. I was like, oh my God. And I bought this wine quite a while ago. I'm like, I just, I gave no shits about variety. I was like, I'm going to get what I want. There was one Chardonnay in there. My mom loves a good shard, so I brought that. I was like, get this out of my fucking house. Yeah, I'm not. Like, I don't mind. We've had a few good shards, but. Like, Chardonnay can be good. I'm Here's the thing. If there's nothing else, I will drink just about any wine, but it's not my favorite. And especially around this time of year, I want, like, a Shiraz, a Syrah, a Cabernet, a Merlot, like. The dark red. It just feeds my soul. So anyway, the back of this is very short, sweet, to the point, very much like me. I wouldn't say you're to the point. Oh, I thought you were going to say I sweet. wasn't sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, to the okay. point, not so much. I, th- I thought you were going to say I wasn't sweet. And I was like, yeah, Kelly, I didn't expect you to let me get away with that <laughs> gross mischaracterization of myself. <laughs> okay, so respect the style, respect the grower, and the show. Respect the respect the grower, respect the vines, and above all, 
respect the angels because it's for my naked yep. wines box. Yeah, no, that that that's it. So it's like very basic and uh but you know what? It kind of sounds like the voiceover for a perfume where it's mm-hmm. like dramatic orchestral music, a woman in like a long flowing gown running through beautiful hallways, and it just says respect the style respect the grower respect the vines and then when she like takes a dramatic pause Mm -hmm. on this like balcony overlooking a beach balcony no overlooking the vineyard overlooking the vineyard yes and then she's got the perfume in her hand and she's like nuzzling it like it's a kitten it says but above all respect the angels angels by Dior. <laughs> like I don't exactly. or Dior. I don't know. I don't know perfumes. <laughs> Most of the perfume I have are samples from that my mom gave me. <laughs> I think I still have some like real old like Bath and Body Works perfume. I finally okay. I might have I'm some almost glitter done. body spray from when I worked there a million years ago. So um, you're gonna know because next time I walk in the studio, I'm just gonna be covered in glitter. I'm gonna look like I stepped out it's at Twilight, like. Tell me what I am. <laughs> there you go. We'll do we'll do a Halloween video yes. and you can just be a vampire, a sparkly vampire. Yeah. But like, There's gonna really be no hot. clink here. Yeah. No, we are drinking out of our wine and crime plastic fucking patriarchy wine glasses. Our glasses are clean. I was just too lazy to go upstairs and get them. Oh, yeah. No, that's we haven't drank out of these in a while and we have them and uh, they're pretty much appropriate 24 seven. So true story. Uh, no glory. Yeah, the old me used to love a Gemini. Three song fucking with them every night. I sang that earlier, and I love that you've given me two opportunities in one evening, in like 30 minutes, yeah, to, to break, break out, into, out. Lo- to, into Lizzo, always. I was like, that is not Ludo. Um, no, I know. I'm, I haven't even had anything to drink. I'm already like, I can't talk. What are we cheersing to? Fall, Fall. y'all. <laughs> yep. Cheers. Oh, that was the saddest <laughs> little thunk. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> See, I can recreate it probably. That was way that was more powerful. Better, yeah. That was, um, I that know, was we the were, gust we of were a thousand We were wins. both very like. <laughs> I think we were afraid of spilling. I, which is stupid because there's almost nothing in mine. Well, there's okay, there's more in mine. I was afraid of spilling, Kelly. Ooh, that has a punch to it. In Ooh, a it, good way. It melt. It's actually, it's very refreshing. It, like there's that immediate kind of Like it's power. very powerful it and then mellows, it just mellows out. But yep. it's also very light. Like some of these oh, reds, God. they're That's really. <laughs> Kelly's boobs new to podcast. the mic. <laughs> Titty ASMR. <laughs> ASMR mommy. Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it like mellows out very quickly and it's really very like it. light on the palate. It's almost, it almost reminds me of like a spring or summer one. Like just, it's very refreshing because some of the reds, like they're really thick and they kind of coat your mouth, but this is just like a beautiful splash of Cab Sob and I'm loving it. I would even say it rocks. Well, mercifully, um, you get to go first. Oh shit! Damn it! 
Jacob's going to say, mercifully, I get to stop talking for five fucking minutes. All right. Well, I'm going when first. When has my story ever been only five minutes long? <laughs> Even my shortest story still ends yes. up being like 20 minutes. Well, with all my interruptions and our constant riffing and Kelly's phone going off at Why? super appropriate times. <laughs> All right, so today I am whining about Mary Ann Smith, knocker upper extraordinaire. Oh, <laughs> yes. This story is fucking amazing. And I actually found out about this from, uh, it was a post on social media where it was like, a, today I learned or did you know? And I was like, excuse me, what is this mastery of chaos and old timey bullshit? I'm here for it. So- It's a special kind of evil when your alarm wakes you up from a deep sleep. And while I don't know anyone who enjoys setting and waking up to an alarm, it's, you know, a necessary evil in our modern world when we actually have to be up and conscious and be places at certain times. Otherwise, we can't afford to continue existing. The good news is that alarms have come a long way from the aggressive ringing bell or the cringeworthy beeping to being able to choose soothing orchestral music on your phone. We are more empowered than ever to take the sting out of being woken up from peaceful slumber to labor away. Oh, so we can afford to exist. Okay, I put that in my notes. Yeah, I wrote these notes quite a while ago. (laughs) I don't know. I always kind of like when I say something off the cuff and that's in my notes later. Like, wow, I'm being so true to myself. But long before the classic bell-equipped alarm clock, there was a different method for waking sleeping workers, and her name was Marianne Smith. Ooh, I was going to say throwing water on them. No, no, this is a billion times better. I'm excited now. It's fucking absurd. Okay, so with the industrial age in the UK in the 19th century came a proliferation of jobs in factories, mines, and other labor positions, which required workers to work long, odd hours that didn't always necessarily comply with one's internal clock or any measure of humanity and safety, but we're not talking about that today. I can also imagine that after a hard 12-plus hour day of laboring, if you were lucky, it's easy to sleep through your next shift. You know, because the body can only handle so much. But while alarm clocks didn't exist at this time, or they did exist, excuse me, while alarm clocks did exist, they were an expensive luxury item and they weren't really reliable. So it's like, if you can afford the alarm clock and afford for it to not work. Like, I don't actually have to be anywhere. I can lunch in my bed, my four poster bed with a canopy and have servants feed me prosciutto for breakfast now i want prosciutto i know i fucked myself up damn it (laughs) it's like in pokemon where it's like oh your attack hurt yourself and i'm like damn it it." (laughs) so to ensure their employees arrived to work on time companies hired living alarm clocks also called a knocker upper or knocker up so it was a knocker upper's job. I just want to do that job just to get that that title. I I want to put that on my resume. Like so tell me tell me more about uh your stint as a uh, knocker upper. Actually, I prefer knocker up. Uh it's just it slips off the tongue a little better. Also, it sounds like I knocked up a person. So right. I I really love that. <laughs> Actually, I'm a 
I'm a human resources management waking professional technician. Come on. Get my title correct. We don't, we're not called knocker uppers anymore. So it was a knocker upper's job to visit the homes of a company's employees and tap on their windows until they woke up. And they typically use sticks to tap on windows, uh, including those that might be higher up. So workers would either come to the window to let the knocker upper know that they were up by like tapping back or coming to the window would be like, I'm up, Jesus fucking Christ. Or, you know, like whatever. Put your stick away, woman. Whatever else you yell at your alarm clock when it wakes you up, which me is usually just like, fuck. Right. <laughs> So knocker uppers would have to get up at all hours to accommodate weird work schedules. So many of them were night owls who would sleep during the day and maybe be up at 1 a.m. working, which makes this job fucking perfect for me. Right. Because mornings are garbage. But tell me to start like running around at midnight, not like waking people up. I am here I, for yeah, that. Me too. I want that. Like, I'll be just punchy enough where if someone yells at me, I'll be like, hey, fuck you too. And now I'm the knight. <laughs> I'm bad. I am the knight. <laughs> I am the knocker upper. Batman's alter ego. So other than having to just get up early, this sounds like a pretty sweet gig, you know, but it wasn't without its challenges. Just like today, there are two kinds of people. Night owls and early birds, or people who definitely made a deal with the devil and enjoy waking up early. That's a longer way to say early birds because they are straight up nightmare people. So as one knocker upper recalled of early birds, quote, you could hear from this very tread that he was grateful even. And his reply tap sounded quite musical. And when he spoke and bade you good morning, it was really encouraging which, like, I feel bad because I would not respond that way, but I'm very much like, no, be nice to retail workers, be nice to everyone you encounter. Like, don't take your bullshit out on people who are also just trying to work to survive. But if you knock me up, in either sense of the phrase, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> right. Yeah, you no- come knocking on my window with a stick at, like, 6 a.m., I'm going to want to punch you in the there face. There is no kind of knockery that I will stand for, <laughs> goddammit. On the other hand, night owls, a.k.a. this bitch, weren't as cheerful. Someone recalled, quote, a surly or hot-tempered fellow would growl or knock things about as he came to the window to reply, and his responding rap would sound as peevish as possible. <laughs> yep um that's a nice way to say like what a dick oh yeah (laughs) so one of the most this guy was an asshole yes yes which like i have empathy for that i do so one of the most famous knocker uppers is or was mary ann smith who operated in the 1930s and instead of using a stick to tap on windows mary had a method all her own Ooh. She would use a pea shooter and dried peas to hit people's windows and wake them up. Nice. So she's the kid in class blowing spitballs, but they're dried peas to like people's second story windows being like, get the fuck up. (laughs) So we don't know much about Mary before her pea shooter days, because obviously just that rocketed her into immortality. But like most knocker uppers, she was a middle-aged woman who would stroll the streets of London's East End with her pea shooter, blowing dried peas at windows with expert precision. Like, I love that. That is also a skill I want on my resume. Special skills. Pea shooter extraordinaire. 
Yeah. So she had married Thomas Smith in 1884, and the couple had 16 children. Wow. Um, only two of them survived to adulthood. So that's still that, that's very sad. But like I, I read that and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I don't think I've lived enough life to have had 16 children. Like yeah. that's insane. So despite waking people up, Mary was actually beloved in her community. Aww. She was a friendly presence and people really got a kick out of her unique method of waking people. Also, you do not want to piss off the lady. Yeah, no, they open can... the window, just yell at you and you just pee shoot them in the face. Oh, I bet she could hit you with a pee right between the eyes Yeah, or in the peen. Like something is going to get hit and you're Whoop. not going to be okay with it. <laughs> right over the window. <laughs> no, it will go through the wall. Wow. She's that good. <laughs> this is the comic I need. This is the, the hero that we need and do deserve. Pea shooter lady. Um, so photographer John Topham described Mary, quote, every morning but Sunday, she would rise at three to knock up local workers using a pea shooter. She charged sixpence a week and her nearest competition was an old man three miles away who did the same job using a fishing rod to tap on upstairs windows. There, there was like no real tools of the trade. It's just kind of whatever right. gets the job done, which I appreciate the room for creativity that's built into this profession. I do too. So knocker uppers became such a quintessential part of life that there was even a tongue twister that dared to ask who knocked up the knocker uppers. And well, Oh Jesus Christ. Why did I write this past Emily? I hate you. She wrote the she, entire tongue twister. Yes. And she's in the past being like, Emily, you dumb bitch. Okay. We had a knocker up. Oh, shit. Already. Already. All right. We had a knocker up and our knocker up had a knocker up. And our knocker up's knocker up didn't knock our knocker up. So our knocker up didn't knock us up because he's not up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So, like, this is something like this is just a tongue twister. Like, kids are saying, like, we had a knocker up, our knocker upper had a knocker up, and our knocker upper knocker up didn't knock her up. So, our knocker upper didn't knock us up because he's not up. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I just like that very sudden, like, ending. Because he's not up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah. So, knocker uppers have several appearances in pop culture and modern events, even. Wow. They appear in Charles Dickinson's novel, Great Expectations, and they make an appearance in London's most infamous unsolved murder case. Kelly. The River. Yes. I'm like, Kelly, I know you know what it is. So Robert Paul, who discovered Polly Nichols' body, who was the first of the canonical five yeah, wasn't he a Jack the Ripper victims, he had had an unfortunate encounter with an officer when he tried to report the horrifying discovery. Ooh. So th this is what Robert Paul recalled. Quote, I saw a policeman in Church Row just at the top of Bucks Row all of these yep. things mean so much to us um, who was going around calling people up and I told him what I had seen and I asked him to come but he did not say whether he should come or not he continued calling the people up which I thought was a great shame after I had told him the woman was dead so even the cops are waking people up and this is such an important job that they that were like no I can't comes, investigate this murder someone comes to report an actual murder and you're like I yeah, must but, knock people but up But these first. people need to go die in factories on time. <laughs> like, good God. 
But I thought that was, that was, I mean. That is interesting. The London police were not great at this time. And this is just one of the many examples of like how they fucked up. So the cops in East London were straight up trash during this time. So Mary was said to have, to wake up everyone from laborers to the mayor and pass the trade and her pea shooter on to her daughter. Aww. Who was either also named Mary or maybe Molly. I saw it written the same way. I saw it written differently in multiple places. I'm just going to call her little M. M M&M! So knocker-uppers would be used until the early 1970s. And Eminem, Little M, is regarded to be one of the last knocker-uppers in London. Eminem had a new set of challenges than her mother before her. And while working in London during World War II, she was at risk of being caught in air raids while working in the night and early morning. Because that's why it was most likely to happen, because everyone's like asleep and not paying attention. So while knocker-uppers were men and women, it was a common profession for women who didn't have access to the same kind of training or job prospects as men. And that is the short but absolutely delightful story of Marianne Smith, knocker-upper extraordinaire, and just the profession of knocker-uppers in general. I love that. And that they were still being used until the 19 goddamn 70s, which seems way too recent for this kind of crap. (laughs) I'm like, what? And I, this wasn't just uh, England. So I focus, I focus primarily on London for this story because that's where Mary Ann Smith was active. But they had knocker uppers everywhere. Yeah, it that's was super cool. Well, it was a very practical solution to a problem. Well, man, I need to make sure my workers get to work on time, and there's no way for them to like wake up on their own. So, and I can't go around and harass everyone, but I can hire someone to harass them professional harassment professional harassment yes you're a professional harassment i could have been i could have been in the 1930s london would uh, here's you know what i would have been so good at it because if that guy came to me and said that there was a murder i would have been like shut this shit down everyone stay inside you should not be going to work right now anyway no one's going to work let's crack this case and i would have caught jack the ripper and everything would have been great if only i had been born many many years or sooner (laughs) Like the 1900s. 90 years too late. Hey guys, we know times have been tough lately for all of us. And during hard times, it can be difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to or it can be hard to talk about certain topics. Being alone with your thoughts can be isolating. This is why we are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen to and help you. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Thank goodness. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is Amazon fast. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential, just like with an in-person therapist. You can request a new therapist at any time at no additional charges. 
If you want to talk to someone about your mental health, you can get a 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash herstory. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash herstory. So Kelly. Who am I whining about? Who are you whining about? I am whining about Amelia Casanova. Is she hot? She sounds hot. Uh, I don't know. Well, with a name like that, like, you kind of have to. You, you at least have to be like a you grand romantic. You got to be. You got to be mysterious. You got to be sexy. You got to be, oh, God, just my little wet dream. Okay. Yes. So Amelia was born in Cuba in 1832. She was, however, born into a wealthy Spanish family. So this is during the time of Spanish occupation of Cuba. Oh, super super fun time. So she was, like I said, wealthy Spanish family. Her father was named... Incencio. Ooh, I love that name. Actually, it's Innocencio. So his fa- her father was named Innocent. I love that. He was oh no. Um, he was one of Cuba's wealthiest sugar plantation owners. Um, and they they were a family that used enslaved people on their plantations. That was very common oh, in Spanish Cuba. I was going to make a sugar daddy joke, but it just doesn't feel funny anymore. That's why I hurried Kelly's, up that sentence because I was like, like Emily, Emily's going to make a joke and it's not going to land. Don't well. do it. Don't do it, Emily. <laughs> I mean, um, isn't that 90% of this podcast? That's like, probably true. Emily being inappropriate because history is a nightmare. So Amelia's household was very conservative, um, but she did not and would not conform to her father's rules of the house. So as I mentioned, Cuba was a Spanish colony at the time, and obviously um, Amelia's family benefited greatly from colonial rule because they were Spanish. Um, however, Amelia herself actually agreed with Cub- Cuban revolutionaries and wanted Cubans to rule their own country. What a novel concept. <laughs> So she believed that Cuba should be independent and she was not afraid to speak out about her beliefs. During a dinner with Spanish leaders, she actually raised her glass and said to the entire room, to the freedom of the world and to the independence of Cuba. Loving it. Also, that is the Hispanic version of Emily, Emilia. Emilia, yep. yeah. Because I, uh, my my old coworker, when I, when I introduced myself to her, she's like, oh, Amelia. And I was like, you can call me whatever you want because I love you. <laughs> oh, Amelia's a good. I miss Guadalupe. She was the, she was the best. Um, okay. So where are we? Da, 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 da. Okay. So we were, ra- we were uh, raising a glass to freedom. In Cuba. The one thing they can never take away. Hamilton. I know. <laughs> Kelly Kelly doesn't even know Hamilton, but she knows I know. when I'm when I I'm, know enough. She, she knows when I'm ham jamming. Okay. <laughs> that was a thing. Um so when Amelia was twenty, her father took her and two of her brothers on a trip to the United States, um, where she would meet Cuban exiles. I'm sure that's not the reason that her father took her to the United States, but that's what she did when she got there. Cool, cool. 
So they were they were a very outspoken group and a, like and that's why they that's why these exiles had fled to the United States is because they were outspoken about their desire for the independent Cuba and they feared the Spanish would punish them. So she somehow found them on this trip and they dropped a pin. <laughs> yeah, and so she, and she talked to them about Cuban independence and how they're continuing their fight while in the United States. And this really just reconfirmed Amelia's belief that, like, Cuba should be independent and, like, people are fighting for this and, you know, everything like that. So Amelia actually wanted to stay in New York to study English, um, but her mother asked her to return home after three months. So Amelia went back home. But when she went home, she was like, okay, like, I know these Cuban exiles, like, and I want to help Cuban independence, So her and the Cuban exiles got together a bunch of documents that basically promoted Cuban revolution, and she smuggled them back into Cuba with her when she went. Because one, as a woman, and two, as a Spanish woman, they're not not checking her. Oh, super not. No. No, this is why women aren't allowed to have pockets, because we- No, you just shove it between your boobs. We use them for theft and revolution, and the patriarchy was like, no. Um, And Amelia actually also got her brothers to to smuggle stuff as well, like the same documents as well. I was unable to find if, like, they knowingly did it, or if she was just (laughs) like, hey, can you carry this for me? Oh my god, it's so heavy for my tiny lady wrist. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so they- and then when, obviously once she got back to Cuba, she distributed all of the documents among Cuban revolutionaries to inspire more support for Cuban independence, basically. Well, then also, because in an environment where Cuban independence is met with such uh, negativity. In some circles. Um but, but you know what I mean? Like it's being silenced oh, and yeah. then to suddenly be exposed to this literature where it's like, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Like there's more of us. We have a cause. We have exactly. a movement. We have numbers, you know? So obviously once she got back and she was distributing everything, she continued to speak out against the Spanish rulers. Her parents were obviously super concerned that either she or their entire family would get arrested due to Amelia speaking out because that was pretty common yeah um in an environment like this they can just straight up murder you and no one's gonna do anything anything. yeah um so her parents made the decision that it would be safer for them to leave cuba because obviously they couldn't shut their daughter up i love that she's over here just going like viva la revolucion they're like oh my god amelia jesus like i don't know her right so um they decided to move to the United States. This is 1854, so she would have been 22. So it's two years later after she brought back the documents. Where she's like peak punchy. She's like, yep, I'm in my early punchy. 20s yep. and I'm ready to wreck some shit. Exactly. I'm ready to fuck up your whole world. So she arrived in New York Harbor originally with just her mother and 12 younger siblings. Jesus Christ. I thought 16 was bad, but like these kids are all kicking. And I think they had, I think the two brothers that had accompanied her were older. So like, oh, oh, so 12, 13, 14. Yeah, there's probably 16. And they're all squirreling around. There's like a solid 15. (laughs) Yeah. It's a baker's Um, dozen and a half. It's insane. They would settle. They arrived in New York Harbor, but they would settle in Philadelphia. Okay. 
<gasps> I was just there. I know. So not long after she arrived in Philadelphia, Amelia would marry a uh, famous novelist, C- Cirillo Villaverde. <gasps> Villaverde? Yeah. Which is a it's very like the pretty last green. name. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. Greenhouse. Greenhouse. Villaverde. Um, it's funny because like everywhere I would like a oh, famous novelist. I'm like, who the fuck is this dude? <laughs> uh, but he was also Cuban. Yes. Um, he was a naturalized American citizen though. Um, but he was originally from Cuba. Um, de Cuba. But yeah, so de Cuba. he has, I think the reason we don't know about him is he was obviously a Latin American novelist writing in Spanish Okay. So I don't think his texts made it into any of our um, stuff. Yeah, which but, is yeah, so wrote- weird because we were, we've historically been so accepting of Hispanic writers and cultures and which is why we definitely don't need Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month that's happening right now, which makes your story super appropriate. I like to be I'm being super, super sarcastic, by the way. I just, I want everyone, I don't want to get an email about that. (laughs) If we're open to criticism, we're open to feedback, but the second someone's like, Emily, I can't believe you said that. It's like, I was being sarcastic. That is my whole thing. (laughs) So Cirillo was two decades older than Amelia. So he was in his forties. Yeah. But they shared a love of their cause of Cuba. Cool. Um, because he was actually Cuban. He was not Spanish. He was actually Cuban. Yes. Um, she would give birth to their son, Narciso, which I fucking <gasps> love that name. Oh, my God. Um, uh, do, you, do you think it's five because years later. her, so her dad's name was Innocence. Innocence. And he was anything but. Do you think she's like, well, maybe it's like if I name him Nar- Narciso, like Narcissus, he's just gonna be like super humble and chill. Yeah, right? Like she, she's hedging her bets. <laughs> so they would end up moving. Amelia, Cirillo, and Narcissa would end up moving to New York because Amelia's family decided to return to Cuba, and she was just like, "Well, I'm married now. I'm gonna stay with my husband." Why do I feel like that was their plan? Like, let's get her married off to some <laughs> no, of these right? like Cuban exiles that she's so wild about. And then when and then she's we'll leave. <laughs> stuck here with a family, we're going to piece back off to Cuba. And we're not going to have to worry about her shooting her mouth off about like revolution. Um, right. So they moved to New York, which means Amelia uh, found that same group of Cuban exiles she was hanging out with before. Oh, my and God. Was like, yo. I'm back. Um, and she became a very active member within their community. Like, they actually accepted her, which I'm sure she had to, like, You can, I can guarantee you there were hoops she had to jump through being Spanish. Yeah, but then also, were, were they all men? I don't know. Well, I just... I, it just said Cuban exiles. Well, and I think of... I also think of, like, the old trope of that we still see today of women having to, like, do better, be better than men to really prove themselves and to earn their place in traditionally masculine spheres, you know? So I'm like, man, I bet she had to be like the baddest bitch around. Right. She's Um, like, I eat, breathe and snort revolution. And that's basically what it was. Like she started organizing meetings at her home, which provided a very important gathering place for these supporters of Cuban independence. Um, so back in Cuba during this time, um, mid-19th century, um, 
there the unrest in Cuba and among the the Cuban people were was getting a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. The support for Cuban independence was getting a lot stronger, and the Spanish Empire was starting to decline. So this is what, that's where we're at in Cuba. Well, it's kind of cool to see this this building because, yeah. like, when the story starts, you know, it's like, well, yeah, some people want Cuban independence, but like they're going to exile. And everyone's kind of hush hush about it, and then there's more of this like revolutionary. Uh, swirling to the point where it's really starting to bubble to the surface and Spain is like, oh shit. And that's exactly what happened. Spain was like, oh shit. Because in 1866, the Spanish government would increase taxes and make it illegal for Cuban reformers to meet, like to gather in hopes to like basically quash this independence movement. You know how to quash a revolution? Not, Piss them not off do that. more. Yeah. yeah. When like, Give them it, more reasons. Like, think about all the times, whether religious or political, people have been like, no, you can't gather. How many times has that worked? Yeah. Never. Literally never. These are rebels with even more causes now. Exactly. <laughs> Several causes. So in New York, Amelia and her family were ex, um, or sorry, these tensions would lead to the outbreak of what was known as the Ten Years' War for Cuban Independence, starting in 1868. Um, basically, Cuban revolutionaries declared their independence, mm-hmm. wrote a constitution, and this constitution ended slavery and aimed to annex Cuba to the United States. Okay. So they were like, we need support of a bigger country. Mm-hmm. Please take us in. So this, I, this is just the beginning of it. Can though. I just point out, though, like, obviously, this is, you know, for us having our American centric view of history, this is very fam- like familiar to me with American independence, except they shut that slavery shit down. They're like, nope, nope, we're, we're not doing this. We're not going to hang around and futz about for another hundred years and let future generations deal with it. We're ending that now. Right. Good for them right so in new back in new york as all of this is going down in cuba every once in a while my mouse stopped i think my mouse died okay no more mouse for me (laughs) um back back in new york uh amelia and her family were excited about the developments obviously and wanted to support the cuban revolutionaries both in cuba and in the united states Mm -hmm. so amelia established la liga de hijas de cuba or the league of the daughters of cuba I actually understood that before you gave the translation. So did Thank I. you, Duolingo. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I can pronounce this. I've been getting so many uh, Spanish language ads on Spotify. I know. And here's the thing. I can't understand everything they're saying. Do you listen saying. to the Spanish podcasts that they have that Duolingo I'm, offers? No. Are they, they good? I don't know. I've never listened to one. <laughs> That's why I was asking if you had. Kelly, or just like, Emily, do you even listen to their podcast? No. No, I, was, I haven't either. I was wondering if you did because I was wondering if that's why you were getting Spanish ads. No, I think it's because... Um, why did I pour myself like a tiny, tiny bit of I think part of it is because one, I keep Googling Spanish to phrases, English translations yep. and phrases. And two, I switched the language on my phone to Spanish so I can kind of get Ooh. used to different. I had it switched for a while and then I switched it back because I, I think I needed directions somewhere. And when you switch you the language like, on your it. phone, I'm like, I need, I need to be very certain of where I'm going other than like trying to listen for like, 
a la derecha and a la izquierda. Like I'm like, okay, I but I need I need to I need, I need actual directions. I need I need very I understand concrete instruction because even in English I can't follow my GPS worth a damn. Um but it's kind of cool because I'm like picking up on different words and phrases and things like, oh, I learned that. Like, right. Oh, the like, yes, I know I'm like, this. Oh, that means too expensive. Are you telling me I can get my cell phone plan for cheaper? <laughs> cheaper. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, what I'm laughing at. You know how a good deal gets me so hot. I do. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so this was an organized, the La Liga de Hijas de Cuba uh, was an organization that raised monies for rebel and their families. And this was specifically to mobilize the women of New York. Love it. So let's, let's get into the Las Hijas a little bit. Las Hijas. So specifically, they were founded on February 6, 1869 in the St. Julian Hotel in New York. The what? The St. Julian Hotel. Oh, okay. I thought you said Sane Julian Hotel. I'm like, Sane Julian. As opposed to the what, the insane the Julian insane. Hotel that has a bunch of doors that lead to nowhere and like spiral staircases that never stop. So during this time, membership in revolutionary and cultural clubs was restricted to men, forcing women to create their own organizations. So that's mm-hmm. why La Cijas came about. So there was there was a group called um, 14 Q, or there, sorry. Their first meeting was 14 Cuban and Puerto Rican women that would get that gathered together to well, and one Spanish woman, obviously, (laughs) um, that got gathered together to discuss helping Cuban soldiers and their families and to criticize the all male independence organization that was Junta Revolucionaria de Cuba y Puerto Rico. I didn't even put a translation for that. I think it's pretty, I think we all yep. kind of know the gist. Um, so as the president of Las Hijas, Amelia condemned the all-male club for their annexationist maneuvers and betrayal of the independence movement. So basically, she didn't like that they wanted to annex themselves to the United States. I, she was like, no, Cuba should rule themselves. I get that because they're going from, so, like, having one power over them to a different. Exactly. But I also understand the idea of like, hey, Spain, power is, in your corner. Spain is kind of a big fucking deal. Yeah. So maybe we like need some buddies. Exactly. Hit up France. They were yeah. very helpful for they us. Were. And then we told and them to fuck off. And they just left off. and they no, were like, all right. No, no. We promised to be there for them during their revolution. And we were like, Oh like, you know, we don't really have the power to I do I would that. love to, but I'm, like, so busy. <laughs> I've got stuff, like, every weekend. Oh, my God. What about, like, two months from now? You know what? I'm really just, I'm just booked. I've got, like, a wedding, and then I've got, like, I've got a thing. I, I just, I, I gotta go. I've been blowing off Click. this one person. I finally have to hang out with them. Otherwise, they're going to be like, why do you keep blowing me off? <laughs> um... So yeah, she she was very condemning of them, and um yeah. So the members of Las Hijas were aware of the United States' growing interest in controlling Caribbean nations in general, because this was d- during the time that the United States started showing interest in Caribbean nations. Yes, um, and they yeah they they strongly disapproved of as I said the disapproved of the fact that the Wanta wanted to consider the United States an ally and discuss possible annexation of cuba yeah they feared that this would put cuba closer to being annexed by the united states rather than full emancipation 
Yeah. And, and like I said, I understand wanting full independence ideologically. I also understand wanting to ally with the United States from a yeah. logistical standpoint. I, That's a tough nut for me. Tough nut. That's a tough nut. You don't like tough nuts? No. No, because they hurt my jaw. <laughs> I'm not, a, a nut you need cracker, a nut cracker, Kelly. Yep. I'm not a nutcracker. Excuse me while I just steal other batteries so I can have a mouse. <laughs> Kelly uh, is going to leave us at a total cliffhanger because she can't actually scroll down her notes right now. Tune in next week for the exciting conclusion of La Liga de las Hijas de Cuba. <laughs> it's fun to say, isn't it? Is it's very fun to say. Be- no, seriously, the romantic languages are just beautiful gorgeous which i feel really stupid all throughout like middle school high school elementary school when i was learning spanish Mm -hmm. compulsory um i thought that they were called romantic languages because they sounded very pretty and romantic no it's because they have roman roots I didn't know that until I, I was mean, they way are... too old. Well, it's also because a lot of times when people talk about the romantic languages, the one they bring up is French, mm. which is like supposed to be like the romance language. You know, here's the thing. The French. Fuck the French of their language. I'm sorry. I when love you. I'm young and you're using a word that I am familiar with, but you don't mean what that word means. I don't think I'm that word means what you think it means. <laughs> you're using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Anyways, so... The collective power of these women's effort gained a lot of attention and garnered a lot of support for Amelia in particular, which was great because Amelia used this platform as the president to become a more recognizable force within the, the independence movement as a whole. Um, as I said, they they gained or they played an important role in gaining funds for Cuban soldiers and their families during this 10-year war. Additionally... Additionally, as a representative of Las Hijas, Amelia um, presented merits of Cuban liberation before the U.S. Congress on numerous occasions, and she was the first Cuban woman. Spanish. She was, but, she's but she born was born in Cuba. in Cuba. Yeah, Spanish descent, but Cuban woman. Yep. Yes. Um, granted the right to address the United States Congress on that issue. Oh, shit. Yep. So, in order to start increasing the international visibility of Cuban emancipation struggle, she started writing to prominent European figures, um, including Giuseppe Garibaldi and Victor Hugo. And um, Giuseppe actually wrote her back. Um, So, she had stated a lot of her abolitionist views being like, you know, we shouldn't hold slaves and like all, all of that stuff. In fact, she said, quote, the beginning of our revolution means the freedom of our slaves, giving them arms and incorporating them into our patriotic ranks. Dude, I fucking love her because that makes so much sense. And I don't understand why we didn't do that. Right. Exactly. Um, So he responded, I assume it's a he, um, to her appeal by stating that he supported Cuba's quest for freedom from colonial oppression, but he never actually made any specific commitments toward yeah. the movement. He liked her post and moved on with exactly. his day. That's exactly what happened. So Amelia would then discover that her father had been taken prisoner by the Spanish. <gasps> oh, shit. Um, for political reasons, obviously. Yeah, because his daughter's blowing, exactly. stirring shit up blowing in the up. United States. She's going viral. She is going viral. Um, Dude, she would have done so well in the era of social media. So the interesting thing was her father, Innocencio Casanova, was actually a naturalized American citizen. 
because he owned property in the United States. Because remember, mm. they had briefly moved there. Apparently, when they moved back, he kept his property. Okay. So, Amelia used this knowledge and wrote to the Secretary of State and then actually got her ass up and traveled to Washington, D.C. to meet with government officials. She met with members of Congress and even spoke with President Ulysses S. Grant in the White House. Holy shit. Right? She basically asked for protection for her father and herself, um... Basically, what had happened is Spain accused many members of the property-owning Creole class, or their their higher-uppers, of infidelity, quote-unquote, during this contentious time, which was basically super loosely defined as any actions that would disrupt political order, and they would arrest them and confiscate their property as punishment. Oh, because we said so. So we take your shit now. So basically, that's what happened to her father. However, President Grant actually agreed to protect her father since he was a naturalized U.S. citizen. He had the power to do that. So he protected her from the Spanish government and his her father was released. Wow. This also, like, her courage and her ability and her, like, just her passion actually really impressed the president. And, like, he was like, yeah, like, I'm going to keep this woman in the back of my mind. Like, yeah. she's going places. Bookmarking her. A few <laughs> years later... um, the group that she worked with of Cuban exiles in New York learned that the Spanish government had imprisoned a bunch of Cuban medical school students. And by a bunch, I mean eight. There's eight of them. That's eight too many, though. They were just yeah. trying to learn how to keep people from dying. It was, it was eight young men, and the Spanish rulers accused them of damaging the grave of the editor of a pro-Spanish newspaper. There was absolutely no evidence of them doing this. Well, it was this, basically just a, like they, an This excuse. is that standard, like, because we said so. Right. Exactly. They were like, mm, no, they did. Don't question us. Yeah. Um, so obviously she again went and petitioned the United States Congress um, to support Cuban independence rather than the Spanish. And they she pleaded to, you know, like release, try and get the eight medical school students released because um, they were being held hostage. However, despite her efforts, they were executed a few days later. Oh, so I think no. I think it was like basically there wasn't enough time. Like she did her best, but there wasn't enough time. Like the Spanish were gonna like execute them regardless. That is just so awful. Oh yeah. Well, and it, it's scary because it really highlights what the span the Spanish were able to do at this time, and what like any kind of like dictatorial occupying force can do, where they can just say. I'm going to murder you, and that's the way it is. And there's nothing you can do about it. And that's exactly probably why they did it, is they were like, look, it doesn't matter what people say. We can just kill whoever we We want. We can do what we want. Exactly. We we can take out a bunch of, you know, fucking college students. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, how gross. (sighs) That's awful. Like, all of this is awful. Yeah, it is. The following year, the Amelia made another trip to the U.S. Capitol to pressure Congress to condemn the Spanish treatment of the Cuban people in general. She was disappointed that the American government continued to support the Spanish colonial rule instead of helping Cuba become independent. She provided evidence that showed that the United States opposed efforts to end slavery in Cuba in the 1820s through the 1850s. So they're like, you used to support us, and now you don't. Wait, they they supported the they, end to slavery? Yeah. While slavery was still legal in the United States, okay. they supported Cuba ending slavery. Do How it, weird is that? Do as I say, not as I exactly. do. 
So obviously, though, slavery in Cuba kept the prices of goods imported low. So, mm, you know, and there what there is evidence both then and now that did that has confirmed that the United States government opposed revolutions because they feared the revolution would end slavery, therefore increasing prices. Yeah. Yay. Super, so, super fun how capitalism makes us all turn into right. fucking monsters. But no matter how much pushback she got, Amelia continued promoting the idea that the United States should, should support the cause of other places attempting to free themselves from colonial rule because that is exactly what the United States did. I, that is the part that blows my mind the, mo- the most because our whole identity as a country is about like saying... Fuck you. We're going to do it for ourselves. No one can tell me what to do for better or for worse. Right. Seems like for worse lately. But anyway, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you guys, because it's better for us if you're ruled by another power. So you should just like stay in in servitude because we don't actually believe in independence except for us. And that is basically the deaf ears that Amelia's police fell on was basically like, well, it's more advantageous and we make more money if we import from slave-owned countries. Anyways. Yeah. Amelia and her husband continued to work together during the war to support Cuban rebels. They would even smuggle weapons and ammunition into Cuba to Love support it. them. In 1873, they pur- they purchased a ship or helped purchase a ship that was capt- that was captured by the Spanish. The, pr- the Spanish then imprisoned their crew and executed many of them. Oh, God. I- this got them in a little bit of hot water. Not them specifically, because they couldn't trace it back to them, but like the revolution in got in a little hot water because the ship sailed under an American flag. Oh. So the US government was a little bit mad about it. Okay. They're gonna get their little the collars thing, all up well, in a wrinkle over c- some bureaucratic bullshit, but not the murder of eight students. Well, and here's the thing. I couldn't find if that if they were mad that someone was using their flag to smuggle in weapons or if they were mad that the Spanish executed a crew flying under the American flag. I would say both because it at this probably point, was a little bit at of this both. Point they're like, well shit, this affects us directly now. Like people can get murdered in a, in a land that I don't have to look at or think about. But the second that my flag is right. being fucked with, well, then I'm going to lose my mind. And this did raise tensions between, obviously, the United States and Spain, and war seemed almost imminent. However, yeah, once officials found out that they were illegally smuggling guns, the crisis kind of ended. America kind of backed down. Mm. Um, so throughout these 10 years war, the home of Amelia in Manhattan was obviously still an important gathering place for Cuban exiles. She still did. During this entire time, she was like, I don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) In fact, at one point, a New York Times reporter visited the home and found, like, during a meeting, and they basically named Amelia the leader of the Cuban independence movement in New York. Okay. Even though she was a woman, which is great. That is amazing. Also, you talking about the the Spanish sinking an American ship and that almost leading to the the Americans getting <laughs> yeah, into that's a war. Before. Well, it reminded me of Lusitania, mm-hmm. and you're like, but they were smuggling weapons, so America kind of backed down. But here's the thing: I, so I just looked this up because I wanted to confirm the Lusitania made no secret that it carried weapons, including 
4,200 cases of Remington rifle cartridges <laughs> and 1,250 cases. Wait, was it the Lusitania? It was. 1,250 cases of shrapnel shells and fuses. So, like, it was also, like, carrying passengers and, like, medicine. But it was also. I mean, maybe, maybe they just weren't forthright, like, that they were giving it to the Cuban independence movement. But it just, I don't know. I think it's interesting because mm -hmm. the Lusitania being sunk is cited as a key thing that brought us into okay. World War One. Okay, no. so that's yeah, not World the right, War One. That's, that's not the right ship then. No, no, no. no. I'm oh. talking about a totally different event. Yeah, the sinking of the Lusitania was a really big deal for us getting involved in World War One because the the Germans sunk it, and everyone's like, yeah, whoa, not because it was a passenger cool, ship, but it was also carrying weapons. Yep. To combat the Germans. So the Germans sunk it. Right. Like it made sense. I'm why just they saying did it. this is very similar, but the responses are very different. Oh, yeah. So the Ten Years' War would eventually end in 1878, yeah, 10 years after it started. Yes. <laughs> and uh, basically, due to an increasing lack of resources and infighting among the Cuban rebels, mm. unfortunately. Um, they would sign a peace treaty with Spain, confirming that Cuba would remain under Spanish rule. Damn. Amelia, her husband, and other Cuban exiles continued to support the fight for Cuban independence. It was kind of like, this is a setback, but we're not done. Right, right. It's like, hey, we need to, we need to chill and regroup. Right. In 1894, her husband died in New York. Oh. Um, and Amelia would actually return to Cuba for the first time in decades oh my God. to fulfill her husband's wish to be buried in their home country. So he, she brought his body home to bury him, which is very, very sweet. That's very sweet. And I think it also really highlights that even though she and her husband are in New York, the whole time... That they're fighting for independence. It's not they just still love their country. Well, it's not just ideological. It's because they want to go back and live there, just not under Spanish rule. You know, they they didn't leave Cuba because they didn't like it. They left because they had to, and that just breaks my heart that he never had the he opportunity to, to fulfill that to free Cuba. God yeah. Damn. Um, she would obviously immediately return to New York because I'm sure there's a price on her head. Yes. Um, the following year, Cubans once again would start a war for independence against Spain and Amelia would help them raise funds. She would die um, three three years after her husband, March 4th, 1897. Here's some interesting facts. After, the year after she died, the United States joined the Cuban War for Independence. This Shut was, the fuck up. This war... <laughs> better known to us Americans as the Spanish-American War, would end in the American victory just one after one year of fighting. After the war, the United States and Spain agreed that Cuba would become independent with American protection. The United States would also annex Puerto Rico, the Philippines, and Guam from Spain during the same time. Yep. Oh my God. She is rolling over in her grave. She's, She's like, like, fuck you, the United States! <laughs> fucking... Seriously? Yeah. I know. I was like, God fucking well, damn it. And I know, I know, obviously, that wasn't like the happily ever after for Cuba. But still, that's got to be so frustrating because the whole time she's spending her life just being like, United well, like, States, step in here. You have the power. It took them a year. And the alleged year. ideology to end this. They got done in a year what the rebels couldn't do in 10. And I'm not saying that's because the rebels like, Right. I'm just saying, like, the United States was a bigger military power 
than rebels in a country that are occupied by another large military power. Right. I will say there was some contention after the U.S. took over Cuba um, because the U.S. stayed to rule for five years. Yeah. I, I, well, no, and again, I, that's I just, what she I didn't just, want. I just want to bring this up so that I'm covering all of my bases oh, and yeah, not yeah. saying we're seeing this through United States lens. We, so we didn't swoop in and no. save everyone and everyone was happy. Nope. We're also assholes. Yep. So we decided, yeah. So basically we declared war on Spain, sent troops to Cuba, which resulted in us winning. And we got Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the Philippines. We stayed in Cuba for five years until Cuban revolutionaries were like, we will fight you if you do not leave. Jesus Christ. Yeah, because they I were mean, like, at this point, you're acting more like conquerors than yes. you are liberators. Liberators. No, and you know why we got involved? Because we're like, oh my God, we can get Cuba, we can get Puerto Rico, exactly. we can get Guam, we can get um, all this cool so stuff. So the U.S. did allow the Cuban independence and self-rule, but they managed to like just insert this tiny little clause in the Cuban constitution called the Platt Amendment, which permitted the u.s to intervene in cuba whenever the u.s decided that the cuban government wasn't stable basically it gave them an out to be like yeah you can just take over whenever the cuban government eventually like they were like um so they we apparently we have intervened several times Mm -hmm. which a few of them were definitely warranted for the rulers of cuba um, but eventually we have we have since removed the Platt Amendment in the 1930s by mutual agreement. So we okay. agreed, they agreed, everyone agreed. Great. I- so Cuba is... When does that ever happen? Right? <laughs> when do we ever give up control of fucking anything? I know. But yeah, I, I'm very, very sad that she didn't live to like see Cuban independence because she was so fucking close. Here's the thing, though. It, it didn't all come down to her. There were obviously a lot of people right. who were involved and oh, yeah. fighting for this and every single person's actions counted. And But I mean, she was a driving force of that push in the United yeah. States and that, that contribution can't be overlooked. And I, I think it probably would have happened eventually, but... She definitely helped it happen right. when it did. And I mean, Even it does she sound like live she lived it. a full life. Like, yeah, she married a guy that was like 20 years older than her. But like, it sounds like they had a lot of love and mutual respect yep. for one another. Because obviously, like, he let her have their house be a like meeting place. He let her. Yeah. Not even let her. It sounds like he encouraged her to be the baddest Exactly. Bitch. Like. Yeah, start Las Hijas. Like, do whatever you want. I support you. Yeah. Like, they had this mutual love for their home country, and I couldn't find, like, a ton about their relationship, but honestly, it sounds like it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, at worst, it was collaborative. At best, it was, like, a loving and collaborative and, you know, partnership. Like, you love to see it. Exactly. Like We see it so rarely. Well, yeah, and there's always that little bit of, like, twinge when you're like oh she married someone 20 years older than her like oh like well and that's also our modern sensibilities um at the end of the day it's really the content of the relationship that matters it's just unfortunately in a lot of these relationships that we cover when the dude's 20 years older it's because the girl is like 
13. Well, like, you also, it's gross. There's also a little bit of worry, especially like, because she got married and then her family left. It's like, oh, did her family like marry yeah. her off? But no, like they seem to actually like mutually support one another. Well, and these are the questions that we kind of have to ask when we're covering, especially these historical stories, because women were not always in control of their bodies, their futures, their decisions. And so in those situations, we kind of have to ask, like, who had the power? Who was making the choices? Was it her or was it her family or was it him? You know, because there are situations where hmm, she didn't make the choice, but she got really lucky and it worked out. Right. And then there are situations, this kind of sounds like it it was uh, her choice and it worked out really well, which I'm I'm happy for. Yeah. You know what? Um, I feel like I learned a lot about Cuba. I was like, like, I hope I I hit all the points because I I purposely made sure to like kind of dig more into like what was going on in Cuba at the same time that she was in New York doing her thing. Yeah, no. I I hope I covered all the bases for everyone. Well, and obviously to get like super deep in, like that would be an entire podcast just about this period of time in Cuba. You know, it's, 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 it's complex. It's a story that's worth telling. Um, But for the purposes of telling it from the lens of Amelia Casanova, Mm -hmm. I think you did a good job. And I definitely learned a lot. Um, Again, we're like breaking these down to like 30 minutes. We're breaking entire lifetimes down into 30 minutes or or fewer. So Right, exactly. Um, But I I really appreciate that you got that feedback and you're like, you know what? Not only am I going to take that feedback, I am going to purposely meet that feedback right where it is and show you I can do better. And I appreciate that about you because you've always been a person who when is met with feedback, any any kind of feedback or criticism, you're like, okay, how can I do this better next time? Thank you for telling me how can I do this better instead of getting like, well, I didn't like all defensive. I don't get defensive because I'm like, that doesn't help anyone. I appreciate that. Kind of wish I'd gone second, although I'm glad I didn't follow the story of Cuba's independence with a middle-aged woman who shot peas at people's (laughs) windows. (laughs) Wow, thank you for telling us about this beautiful part of history that the United States was involved in, but we do not hear about. Let me tell you about a (laughs) knocker-upper. I still would have been happy with it. I mean, it's a great story. And what a weird I still little want to be a knocker up. What a weird little bit of history. <laughs> you know? Like, oh my God, yes, this was a service that was necessary. Like, and, how, and they didn't like, have the I means just love to that do that's it. what they named it. Yes. I wonder, okay, what came first um, in etymology? Like knocker upper, like to knock yeah, like on to the window knock and someone wake and wake up. someone up. Or to knock up to get someone pregnant. Oh, it has to be. And then it has where, to be the first one. Well, but then where, why, why do we say, you know, oh, she got knocked up? Like, yeah, where, like, do where we did get that come that? from? Is it because, like, d- did, did people just, like, sneak in in the morning before, like, the men of the house were awake? They'd have a quickie and then the person would get pregnant? <laughs> 
I need, these are the questions <laughs> that I need answered. Yeah, these are the things we need to know, people. <laughs> this is why we started that this podcast, so we can learn these things. Yeah, that's exactly why. Well, maybe that's a question for another day. The question for today is... What am I thankful for? Yes, Kelly. Um, I'm really thankful for the people I work with. Like, Aww. they're just... They're super supportive. They're super nice. Like, they... And my husband always adds quotations when I say work because I don't get paid for what I do right now because I'm a student. It's part of your practicum to become a master of the mind. And hey, if anyone wants to join my husband and I guess myself in this crusade of, you know, we're basically residents and residents get paid. So why don't we get paid? Oh, hell yeah. Let me know. We'll, We'll start some fucking shirts or something. I don't know. I've had too much wine to think about this. Well, um, can, can, can I just say, though, that's an excellent point because when we talk my about- My company is making money off of me. And when we talk about upward mobility, we always talk about like, well, go to school, get a better job. It's like some people literally can't afford to go to school and then to do the internship or exactly. the practicum or the whatever. And that is another way that we perpetuate the cycle of poverty. And you're very fortunate that you're able to do this practicum and afford to not oh, get paid for it. And I know that it would be I am one hundred percent aware. And I and I understand that. And I'm I'm kind of using you as an example. By but there means. but there's so many people who don't, and that's shitty. Like yeah. you're doing work, you're providing a service, you're you're selling your labor. And your expertise and like the knowledge you've gathered, other people are making money off of you. Why the hell can't you? Yeah. Yeah. This is just another way that we keep people in poverty for extended periods of time and perpetuate the cycle generationally. Well, and then like having to afford health care and like there's so oh, much yeah. that goes into it. If, if for some reason you can't work and do your practicum or something like that. That's been a big discussion between me and my peers is like, how do we afford healthcare? Yeah, we, um, uh, so my old job, I didn't get healthcare and luckily I was able to get Minsure. Right. Um, so I was able to get my own insurance independently, but when people were interviewing for jobs at the company I worked for, a lot of them had spouses who had health care, so they didn't well, need that, to worry exactly, about the benefits. That's, that's my point. I'm on my husband's health care, and yeah, it's so much. It, it's so expensive to add a spouse to your health care, though. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure we were. That's why even after we got married, we kept separate health care because it was cheaper. Yeah, but even like I don't know. Now that I'm working with like trying to create and preserve affordable housing. Like I'm seeing, it's not like I was like, everything is sunshine and rainbows, but I'm seeing all of the like intricate and sinister ways that entire populations of people have been kept down and how that's perpetuated generationally. Yep. And how it's like, well, slavery was like 400 years ago. Why don't you go over it? Because it still affects us. Because we never got rid of the system that enabled that to happen. We never stopped benefiting from that system. Sorry, Kelly, you're talking about a really nice thing. And I just got real heated. No, I, it was my fault. I went off on, I went off on a tangent. <laughs> Kelly got me heated. But yeah, no, my, my coworkers, they're amazing. They offer great feedback. They're very supportive. 
blah, 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 blah. I'm thankful for my coworkers. Emily, what are you thankful for? Um, okay, so I'm thankful that I spent like four days straight with me novio, my fella. Mm. <laughs> my mom, who was born in the 50s, like I called him that in a text and she's like, what the fuck are you like at a sock hop in the <laughs> 50s? I was like, mom. You were born in the 50s. You don't get to throw that fucking shit. No, that's at when me. you go, yes, mother. I'm at <laughs> yes, yes, mother. I'm at a sock hop in the 50s. Do you not see my fucking poodle skirt. Anyway, um, so I spent four days straight with him because we did an overnight train from Chicago all the way to Philadelphia and this wedding, and then they're sick of each other. Back. I mean, cannot stand him. Can't even look at him. Done. Definitely haven't looked at my pictures of him on my phone to be like, oh, he's so sweet. But uh, honestly, Emily might be in love. Shut the fuck up. Shut your goddamn (laughs) whore mouth. (laughs) Shut your whore mouth, At least out loud, I won't say I'm in. Anyway, um, but no, honestly, the, the part that I'm most thankful for is... It was like the day of this wedding ceremony. We're in Philadelphia and we're trying to figure out the coffee situation. He's like, we should figure out coffee. I'm like, absolutely. And you're like, I always need like coffee. that's not enough for me to just be like, take me. <laughs> right. You're I'm like, sorry, you're, you're like coffee. No, I'm going to go lay on the bed and you can just like ravish. Yes. Me. Yes. Coffee can wait. Um, coffee after. But I thought he was kind of like, like a just, cigarette. Yes. Coffee after. Oh, that's sweet, sweet caffeine. Um, but he actually, I like. I thought he was just gonna make a pot of coffee in the in the right, room or something. Right, you're like, oh, you're just gonna okay, yeah. Let me know when it's done. Yeah, but he actually he started looking up local places, and we like went and walked to get coffee from this cute little local Swedish coffee shop. And then we walked around Philly and just like enjoyed each other's company in the morning. And I was like, this is my dream. I love every little bit of this. There were so many people walking their dogs. It was the best. (laughs) And I was like, and he suggested it. And I, which makes it, that much better like yeah. due to your previous experiences and stuff like the fact that he wanted to walk and get coffee and then was fine with just wandering like, around doing like, a little adventure and it was relaxed and it was like let's just see where the day takes us and that kind of thing and that was really nice and I mentioned it to someone and they're like well yeah Emily that's normal and I'm like yeah but that hasn't been my normal for a very long time so I am incredibly appreciative but it was it was just really nice to to be able to share that like let's get coffee and walk around Philly because we fucking can. <laughs> but yeah, I'm thankful for that. Um. Anyway, enough of me gushing about coffee. That Swedish coffee was so fucking good. I got like their their specialty gingerbread coffee. That sounds oh delicious. You're like you know it's fall. Can I get coffee right now? Um. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode about one of not about whining about herstory, about two women who are whining about herstory and coffee and apparently desperately need caffeine. So, you know, the funny thing you were talking about Peggy earlier and you were like, yes. oh, I haven't heard from Peggy in a few days. Yeah, she, no, I didn't say oh, that. She literally messaged us today. Oh, did she message us again? Yeah. Wait, okay, quick. What'd she say? She said, evening, ladies. Wow. Double hip replacement. Holy cow. My, <gasps> mind hunters. Love it. Oh my God. Okay. 
Peggy, honey, I didn't have my hips replaced, but I had two hip surgeries before I was 30, and I fucking love Mind Hunters. I, I assume she's listening to an episode where we talked about your hips. Oh my God. And I also love mind hunters. I like, I feel like Peggy is going to bring forward all of these random memories. Like, oh my God, we talked about that. Or, oh my God, that was me. Peggy, we love you. Peggy. I is, don't know if you will ever hear this, but we love you. We fucking love you right now. This is live. I'm I, shit thee not. Peggy, we got your message. We love you so much. Enjoy your wine t- tasting. Invite us to it. Just say it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory, where we basically put all of our love into one of our lovely listeners and each other. Like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory, like Peggy did. And Instagram <laughs> at WAHpod. Twitter at WH underscore pod. Our website is whiningaboutherstory.com, where you can message us just like Sophia did. And Peggy. And pe- no, Peggy messaged us through Facebook. Oh, that's Facebook. right. That's right. Facebook. I forgot you were talking you can about message other us social media. That as well. Yes. Um, our, also, our website has our merch, like Emily talked about earlier. We have some wonderful merch, and we'll probably have some more soon. We also, mm, I think it's going to be over by the time this episode comes out, but we have uh, frequent sales that come up. We don't get to control them. The I mean, we can platform. adjust the date, but mm, we haven't. But the can you we? can. You can adjust the date. Son of a bitch. Well, here's the thing. You need to follow us on social media because when we realize Spreadshirt's having a sale, we, let you we know. post the shit out of that, but it's usually too late for us to record because we try to record in advance because we're trying to be responsible podsters. So like us on social media. Podsters. Yes, we love you. Also, raise five stars wherever you listen. We also have a Patreon where you can donate for as little as $1. And we are uh, gearing up to record our first Whining About, which is basically we're going to get drunk. Drunk and rant. And rant about about a specific topic. Like, like we're going to narrow it down to a specific topic. We can't guarantee we will stay on that topic. But we will all start in the same place together. And you know what? Then we're just going to... It's an adventure. We're going to go to get coffee, and then we're just going to wander around downtown Philly and just see where the fucking day takes us. Exactly. Okay? So enjoy your fall, y'all. Enjoy fall, y'all. You witchy bitches. I love you. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered fall, y'all. Bye!